Okay. So we're studying through the book of Ephesians. We're studying the armor of God. We've done, I don't know, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. We've done something. Okay. Now we're on the shield of faith. This is part two of the shield of faith. Actually going to do um, probably one more week on this at least. Okay. You ready? Let's pray. Lord, bless this word. May it stir every heart and every life. May it cause scales to fall off of our eyes as we hear this word. May it be as clear as it can be. May the Holy Spirit take it deep into our hearts. Bless all our children. Thank you for all our kids, Lord. We're so grateful for children and babies and all their noise. But, Lord, we love them, and we're grateful for them. Touch their lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, here's the verse we're studying. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This is the scripture. We studied it two weeks ago. A verse that went, I put with it, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So faith is vital. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is putting your beliefs into action. In case you weren't here two weeks ago, and even if you were, you probably forgot it. I'm going to do a quick review. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see with these natural eyes. Faith is a confidence, a confidence that God is with me, God is for me, God is all around me. Uh, Faith is both passive and it's aggressive. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. We receive faith, but then we become aggressive with it, or we activate faith. We, we do something with what God's given to us. We receive faith, but some people receive it, but they never become aggressive with faith. And so once you receive faith, you use it or you lose it. You don't need faith if you already have it. Faith is for what's unseen. So then we talked about fiery darts. A fiery dart is an invitation to sin, to doubt, to fear. And Jesus said, whatever causes you to sin, whatever causes you to cut it off. He didn't say cut off the sin. He said, go for the root. Because a hand is not sin, a foot is not sin, and an eye is not sin. But he said, deal with the root of sin. See, a lot of times in our lives, we just try to stop the habit. But we don't get the root. You've got to get the sin nature crucified for to be done with sin. And so Jesus goes on, whatever causes you to sin, deal ruthlessly with it. Be ruthless with sin and the causes of sin. Uh, whatever you need to do to get free and stay free, do that. And the number one cause of... of um, The number one cause of sin is simply self-centeredness. We have, we're born self-centered. We have to learn how to be Christ-centered. Okay, you don't need to teach anyone to be self-centered. You don't, that doesn't need to be taught. Okay, you have to teach your flesh Christ-likeness. And so we talked about the fact that with faith you actually see. What does faith see? Faith sees that God is with me. God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. 
one of the names given on Isaiah for Jesus was Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think seeing God with us is one of the most important experiences and lifestyle practices that we could get into because his presence with us, when you know God is with you, it's a great deterrent against sin. He's with me. I will treat everyone different in his presence. Outside of his presence, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a cheek for a cheek. But in his presence, we treat everyone different. He is with me, so I will be much more patient with my loved ones. Why? Because he's with me. He's with me. He's helping me. So what he's doing for me, I'm going to do for other people. He's helping me. I'm going to help other people. He's with me. So I apologize first. It pleases him. He's with me. I keep my anger in check and I hold my tongue. He's with me. So I think differently in his presence. He's with me. I feel differently in his presence. He's with me. So I offer up thanksgiving a lot more because I realize he's with me and he's provided all these things that are around me that I'm... that are such a blessing. He's with me, so I'm more careful with my tongue. I'm careful not to complain because the king is with me. He's with me, so I'm much more conscious of my time and the use of my time because he's with me. He's with me. I look at him a lot more during the day because I realize he's with me. He's with me, so the first thing in the morning... I look to him, I praise him, I speak to him, I talk to him. He's with me, so at the end of the day, I praise him for the day, and I worship him for the day, and I repent of any shortcoming during the day. I don't say good riddance to the day. No, I praise him because he's the Lord of the day. He's with me, I don't ever get bored. He spices up everything in mundane things in life, all right? God is with me, so I'm bolder to tell others when I see him with me. When I see him with me, my day revolves around bringing him pleasure. He's with me, so I talk to him about the big things and the little things. I talk to him more because he's with me. I don't ignore him. He's with me, so I filter all my decisions through the filter of what would he do, what would he say, and how would he act. He's with me. That temptation doesn't look so appealing in light of his beauty. He's with me, so not giving in to sexual temptations becomes easier because the king is right there with me. He's with me. What would Jesus do? He's with me. What would Jesus say? He's with me. Where would Jesus go? He's with me. How can I get closer to him? He's with me. So things that are dark look brighter because he's with me. He's with me. The pain that I'm feeling is diminished in his glory. He's with me. So the torment loses its power in his presence. He's with me. The loneliness I used to have was replaced by companionship. He's with me. The sin I used to enjoy seems empty now in comparison to what I experience in God's presence. He's with me. I don't enjoy sin very much because he's with me. And if I do sin... I feel horrible, and I quickly repent. He's with me. I have joy. He's with me. I have peace. He's with me. I'm experiencing love. You and I, if we could get hold of the fact that he's with me, we'd live differently every day. We'd live differently every day. 
Our attitudes would be different. How we speak to our families would be different. How we work would be different if we could get a hold of the fact that he is with me. We must see everything through the lenses of God is with me. We're told this in Hebrews. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. But where we get into problems is when we start walking by sight instead of by faith. By faith we please God. By faith we move mountains. So what else does faith see? Faith sees Satan behind temptation. This is what faith sees. If you see the sin, it's very enticing. But if you see Satan, well, that's not enticing at all. If you see the sin, you want to do it. If you see Satan, you want to run from it. If you see the pleasure, it's very tempting. But if you see demons, you want to run from that. Faith sees what's behind the temptation. If... You see your rights being violated. Anger, hatred, bitterness, a desire for revenge comes in. But if you see Satan trying to come in through that wound done to you, you're much more likely to quickly forgive, quickly release the wrongs done to you, and pray for your enemies like Jesus said, because you don't want to go into captivity. You see, if you see your rights being violated, you'll move into bitterness and hurt. But if you see Satan trying to take you captive through the wrong done to you, it makes all the difference in the world. When you experience rejection or a deep wounding from another person, you can just see that person and what they did to you. And it was wrong. They shouldn't have done it. But you'll go into captivity. You must learn to see, the, through the wounding that was done to you, I, I guarantee you this, Satan tries to ride on the back of every wound ever done to you. He will ride on it like you would ride on a horse. Satan rides in on the back of these fiery darts, wounds, hurts, done by other people. He will ride in on it. So when you're wounded... I'm telling you, a dart is right behind the wound. A demonic dart is right behind the person that that cut you off, the person that that was rude to you, or the person that ignored you. Right behind what a a person does to you, there's a demon that's going to ride in on the back of it and make and bring bitterness and hurt and anger and worry and stress. Uh, You see, when your rights are... Are violated. It is the bait of Satan to get you and I offended at somebody, at a church, at a trusted leader, at a family member, at a friend. You see, we can be hurting, and it was wrong, but the devil always tries to move in through the wound, through the tragedy that strikes. The devil tries to move in. So when someone wrongs you, watch out. Watch out, there's a demon right behind the wrong. 
that's going to try to ride in to make you lash back, to act exactly the same way back, to stir up the flesh, because a gentle answer turns away wrath. But if you don't see a devil behind it, you'll go right where they're at. You see, when someone wrongs you, we must see that when someone wrongs us, a fiery dart is coming right behind it. So when someone wrongs you, come to attention, pick up your shield of faith, the devil is coming, and release grace to the person or persons who have wronged you. That's how you extinguish fiery darts. That's how you do it. Another way that faith sees, if you see the the temptation as something that would bring you comfort or rest or peace or pleasure, and it's a sin. I don't, I don't mean just sitting in your easy chair. That's not a sin. All right. Then you're more likely to yield to it. But if you see the temptation as something that the enemy is tempting you with to separate you from God, you're much more likely to resist it. So how you see sin or how you see the temptation either is something for your flesh or as a means for the devil getting a hold on your life, will determine how much power that temptation has over you. Did you get that? You sure? Read it again for your own benefit. If you see the temptation as desirous, it has power. If you see the temptation as demonic, it doesn't have a whole lot of power over you. How you see it determines how much power it has over you. In the Old Testament, leprosy was a type of sin. Now, leprosy was disgusting. It was gross. Skin's falling off. Parts of your limbs, fingers are falling off. And sin was likened to leprosy. Well, who wants leprosy? Nobody. And if we can see sin as leprosy, who wants sin? Nobody. But if... The devil can disguise the sin to where it looks pretty and fun and beautiful and something that would be good for you. If he can disguise it, then it has power. But if he just, see, the devil doesn't have to disguise sin to non-believers. Doesn't have, he, he disguises it to us. Because we don't want to sin, right? I mean, we don't want to sin. So it gets disguised as my rights. I've earned this. Well, that's not that bad. Well, so many people do so much worse. It gets disguised into it's really not anything. But there's consequences for it. Satan is a master disguiser. He disguises sin and makes it seem okay. He disguises the consequences because he doesn't want us to know how painful the consequences of sin are. He doesn't want us to know that sin actually separates us from intimacy with God. So, how we see the temptation determines how much power it has over us. Do you see the pleasure or do you see Satan? Well, sometimes I see the pleasure. Sometimes I see me. Sometimes I see, ooh, that's demonic. Faith sees. Faith is is able to see these things. Faith sees Satan behind the temptation. The flesh sees pleasure, comfort, vindication, loneliness no more, your, or your rights, 
behind the temptation. So Satan has won if he can get us to see a temptation as not a temptation, simply as our right. By the way, I'm not interested in my rights. I'm not interested in them. That's an American thing. I'm interested in Jesus being glorified. And I don't want what's coming to me. I don't want what's coming to me. I want grace. Well, I deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I don't. I want grace. So many people say, well, I deserve that. I don't want what I deserve. Okay? I want grace. Faith sees Satan. Faith sees if I do this, I will grieve the heart of God. The flesh sees, oh no, I got caught. Oh no, I've got these bad consequences and now I've got to pay for it. That's what the flesh sees. Faith sees this will hurt God. Do you remember King David? He killed, first of all, he, he, he was spying on Bathsheba taking her bath. He calls Bathsheba up. And he has sex with her. She's married to one of David's mighty men. She gets pregnant. And then David sets it up so Uriah, her husband, is killed. When David is confronted, he said this. Against you and you only have I sinned. I'm thinking, now wait a minute. You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against Uriah. You sinned against Joab by bringing Joab into it. But David was so connected with the fact that his sin was against God. And he grieved God. And he quenched the Holy Spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, he'll go on to say. Faith sees this will hurt God. You see, the flesh sees me. But faith sees God. Faith sees God. And faith is being certain of what we do not see. Certain. Of, guys, we've got to get some new glasses. We've got to get some new glasses. Most of us walk by sight. That's why we often act just like the world. We've got to learn to walk by faith. Because there's eyes behind these eyes. But they can be darkened. And remember what happened to, to Saul when he was blinded, when Ananias prayed for him? What happened to him? Scales fell off of his eyes. We need that. I need it. We need scales to fall off of us so that we can see the Lord. So what else does faith see? Faith sees the power to be like Jesus. Faith sees the power to obey God as, as, as we're called to obey him. Faith sees power to overcome, power to obey, and power to live like Jesus. And, uh, you know, this is a hard one to accept because we often, we so often don't live up to this. But our theology cannot be based on our experiences but upon the Word of God. We have created a theology based upon our experience, especially our experience of failure. And it's based upon our weakness, our tendency to sin, or our inability to overcome. We've created a theology where we can all tell each other, it's okay, we all have sin, look at King David, nobody's perfect. That theology is focused 
on the fact that we think we can't be perfect. But do you know that Jesus spends no time, nor do the writers in the New Testament spend any time on telling us that we can't be perfect. In fact, it tells us to be perfect. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're the ones that want to explain that verse away. Here's what Jesus really meant. Because we know we can't be. We, we're constantly focused on our weakness. I think if we focus more on his strength, we might be stronger. But we're so focused on the fact that we can't do it. But Paul said, I can do all things. We've got to change the way we see and the way we speak about the promises of God. When Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more, he didn't explain to her what he really meant. We're the ones that explain what he really meant was that's not really possible. We all sin. We all have these. We're the ones that try to explain and dumb down and water down the words of Jesus. Maybe that's why we live dumb lives in light of the promises that are available to us. See, faith sees amazing power toward us to do the impossible. You might think, Mike, it's not possible to live like Jesus. Everyone says that. But faith says, with God, all things are, okay? Yes, I know, in the flesh, it's not possible. But in the spirit, in the flesh, it's not possible. In the spirit, you better believe it. You better, but see, our eyes are looking at the flesh. Our eyes are looking at our weaknesses. Our eyes are looking at our past failures, how we didn't do it back then. Faith looks forward. What Jesus has done is doing. That's what faith says. The flesh says, let's be practical. Let's be realistic. Nobody can live up to what the Bible teaches. That's what the flesh says. The flesh says the blood's powerful enough to wash away my sin, but not powerful enough to keep me from it. Faith sees God said it, therefore it's possible. Faith sees this, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith, just a tiny amount of faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved because nothing will be impossible for you. Faith sees that. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Faith sees that all things are possible. Faith sees the shield of faith as real, as powerful, and as effective, and will block every single fiery dart. Faith sees that the armor causes us to live in victory. Here's something else faith sees. Faith sees that God is big and the devil is tiny. We are not to be impressed by the devil or demons or anything at all. We're, that's why I talk about it's not, it's not that we're under attack. He's too tiny for that. He does attack, but we're not under attack. He is under attack. He is under attack by the church triumphant, the church covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan and all his power is under attack, and he loses people every single day. Every single day, 100,000 plus people are converted every day. He's losing. Loser. He's losing. Faith sees that the blood removes all sin and that the power of the past is nothing compared to the power of the Holy Spirit. So many times people talk about their past and their past and this happened in their past. And because of this, listen, the power of the blood is more powerful than your past. 
But if you think your past is powerful, guess what? It's powerful. But if you think the blood of Jesus is powerful, guess what? It will redeem every aspect of your past. And now you're, Jesus has healed people of every single disease. He's delivered people from every single addiction that's ever been on this planet. They've been delivered. People with the worst depression have been totally set free. People with every kind of mental illness have been totally delivered. People without hope have had hope. People without families have been put in families. Jesus has transformed every single condition marred by the fall and marred by Satan. Let's see. Christy, I think the blankets are out in that room. I don't think they were put back. Here's what else faith sees. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. Do you see that? Do you believe that? Five dollars a blanket. Here we go. Five, five. Who will give me six? Six, six. It's only 74. Faith sees not to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's what faith sees. Here's what faith sees. Being confident in this very thing that he who's begun a good work in you will complete it. God's at work. God's at work. You feel dry? I don't care. God's at work. Do you feel sort of distant right now? Uh, God is at work. That's what faith sees. Faith also sees not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Faith sees that. Faith sees that and believes it. Let me give this to you. Faith does not see impossibilities. Faith doesn't see impossibilities. It sees exceedingly abundantly above all type power directed at us to live the overcoming life. Though I have failed and failed and failed, faith sees that his blood covers that. And his power is on me this day to live as an overcomer. See, I, I, yesterday is taken care of. Tomorrow, I don't know about tomorrow, but today I can do today. I can do today. I don't know about tomorrow, but man, I can do today. And if today I blew it at one point, the blood took care of that and it's no more. And now today I can do today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Gosh, can I live like this tomorrow? Who cares about tomorrow? I'm living today. I am that I am. Not the I what. I am. Today I can live. Now I can be like Jesus not because of me, but because of the amazing Holy Spirit in my life. Get this, the Holy Spirit's powerful. Sin nature, nothing. You know, we talk about, oh, you know, the flesh is so weak, and, you know, it's just, boy, it's hard. Stop that. Slap yourself silly. Don't talk. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Your flesh can't compare to the Holy Spirit. Oh, brother, my flesh is weak. Yeah, that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. Yes, they, you know, Jesus told them the flesh is weak, uh, the spirit is one, but the flesh is weak. He was talking about the human spirit. And that was before the Holy Spirit came and baptized the apostles. So now you can't use that as an excuse anymore. You've been using, and then you use this excuse, I'm only human. No, you're not. You're not human. You're superhuman. 
You're a new creation. You never existed before the cross. You did not exist. There was no one like you that had God's nature, divine nature given. It did not exist in human being before the cross. This is what you have. See, this is, faith sees this. This message is for me. It's not for you. Faith sees this. Okay? This is what faith sees. The flesh sees, gosh, I've blown it so much in my life. And gosh, and I'm so weak. And yes, you're weak. And we're all, but let's just cry together. And it's so hard being a Christian. And oh, the devil is doing this. We talk like idiots. I'm, we, seriously, we don't talk like God, the king. Not only is he, is he next to us, he took up residence and he gave us a new nature. Come on. Some, something's got to change in how we speak and think and talk. Sin nature is nothing in comparison with the new nature. It's not poor, pathetic Jesus. Can't ever seem to bring his church into victory. He's he, poor guy, but boy, powerful, mighty devil, always beating up on us and attacking us and throwing fiery darts at us and robbing us of our joy and our peace and our victory. Stop that. Stop, 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 stop. My past is nothing. It's nothing compared to... Jesus' power to redeem. It's nothing. The devil is nothing compared to our mighty God. There's no comparison between the devil and between God. There is no comparison between the old sinful nature and the new nature from Christ we receive at conversion. There's no comparison. And we keep talking about, oh, the old nature, and we're battling the old. We've been given a new nature. Faith sees that. But if you walk by sight, you will see weakness and you will see frailty and you will see a sin nature. But if you learn to see by faith, I am clean. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Someday we're going to live this. In the first service, I started applauding my own points because nobody else would. There's no comparison between our stress and his rest. The church goes on and on about her stress. I'm telling you, Christians are constantly talking about their stress. It cannot compare to his rest. If you would stop talking about your stress and start focusing on his rest and start entering his rest, you would Walk in his rest. There's still a rest to be entered. Faith sees this. Get this. You must see yourself free before you get free. You must see yourself healed before you are healed. You must see the answer before the answer. That's what faith is. Because once you have the answer, do you need to see the answer? No, because it's already there. You got it. You don't need to see it. Once you have it, you don't need faith anymore. Now you could move on to something else. What have you given up on? Because of years of disappointment, years of not seeing an answer or a breakthrough. How have you changed your theology to accommodate the failures and disappointments of life? I, have I, I don't know if I've said this in this service. I do not want to water the word down to my experience. 
We famously do this in America. We water the word down to our experience. I want to demand that my experience comes up to the word. I, 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 just think, I want to demand that my experience comes up to what the word says I can be and who I am. Now, I'll give you some good news. We do not want, wait, wait, this was all good news. We do, not, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. That clearly says having great faith doesn't mean you get answers immediately. Yeah. It's distracting, isn't it? Wait, you missed that point. You've got to get this. Having great faith doesn't mean you get answers immediately. Do you qualify for this? I do. Faith and patience. Well, you don't need patience if you got it right away. It's faith and patience. Sometimes we spend hours trying to accommodate and figure out how we can have pain in our life and great faith. So let me tell you this, a life of faith does not mean a life void of pain or hurt or persecutions and not understanding things. Don't confuse great faith with you get everything what, when you want it, how you want it. Don't confuse faith with that. A life, you can have great faith in God and still have great pain at the same time. I, you qualify? Yeah. Overcoming doesn't mean you don't weep. Overcoming doesn't mean you don't cry. Overcoming doesn't mean you don't feel great burdens. And overcoming doesn't mean you understand everything. I don't understand things. Some of the most faithful people on this planet have been through some of the most devastating pain in life. Some people of faith carry deep, groaning burdens of the Lord. And you need to know this. You can be a person of great faith and tragedy can still strike your home. And I know it's very popular to preach. No evil will befall you. No evil will come into your dwelling. You know, a thousand will fall over here and ten thousand over here. And, and listen, some of that, it's just applied wrong. It's applied that, man, if you just walk with God, everything will be wonderful. At work, you'll have favor, and the boss will praise you, and, and everything will be hunky-dory. People will walk up to you and just hand you money and... Folks, that's not true. It's not true. Some of the people of the greatest faith have suffered horribly, but they had great faith. They had great faith. Great faith and tragedy strikes, and you still have great faith. Because you know Jesus is it. Faith is unmoved by life events. Even though you may be grieving and weeping, your anchor holds within the veil. Because on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. So don't confuse faith with life as a bed of roses. Try Jesus. He'll make your life better. Okay. Inside, he changes it all. But outside, you might still be married to the same dope. Okay. Your kids might still be, you have to be trained now, okay? You still have the same boss, all right? But inside, Jesus is working. Inside, Jesus is transforming and changing things. So don't think that faith means 
You're going to get everything you want when you want it and the amount you want it. That's not faith. Okay? That's Santa Claus in the sky. Okay, that's not our Father in heaven. Tragedy, heartache, persecution. None of these things mean you can't be an overcomer and a person of great faith. Faith sees that God is able to take everything that happens to you and work good. Faith sees it before it happens. Right now, what's happening in my life is horrible. It's wrong. It's difficult. But faith sees God's going to use it. God's going to use it. And I'm going to be more like Jesus on the other side. Faith sees that. The flesh sees stress, worried, moaning, groaning, running away. That's what the flesh wants to do. Faith sees I can stand my ground. You know you can hold a sword and still cry like a baby. You know you can slay a demon and still be grieving. So, go ahead, ladies, if you'd come up. Faith sees Satan behind every temptation. Faith sees God is able to keep you and empower you to live as an overcomer. Faith sees he's with me. Faith sees a big God and a little tiny devil. Faith sees powerful blood, sin being completely washed away by it. That's what faith sees. Faith sees mighty Holy Spirit and a sin nature can't even compare it. That's what faith sees. Faith sees every event in the past redeemable by the power of the cross. Yay. That just makes me happy. Every event in the past redeemable by the power of the cross. And I love this one. Faith never sees its disqualifications. I have some things that should disqualify me from doing what I do. But faith sees the qualifying work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's what faith sees. Anybody need scales to come off your eyes? Everybody does. And if you don't think you do, you got two layers. So there's a shield. It's called the shield of faith. And this shield gives you supervision, x-ray vision, heat vision, telescopic vision, tunnel vision. <laughs> faith enables us to see life totally different. I've shared this with you in the past. Two people, stand up here. Two people. We're both going through exactly the same thing, the exact same trial. I'm worried. I'm sick about it. I can't, I can't sleep at night. I talk about it nonstop. My stomach is hurting. She's going through the exact same thing, and she has joy because she sees. Well, she might still feel the pressure, but she sees Jesus with her, and she sees Jesus working in all of it, and she has peace. We're in the same boat. What's wrong? She sees. She sees by faith 
I see with my earthly eyes. We've got to be able to see. So we started this morning with Open the Eyes of My Heart. I think the song probably has a little bit more meaning and cry to it in your heart now. So I've asked the ladies if they would sing um, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, and to sing Emmanuel, God with us, that we could really walk out of here with a new revelation, God's with me. See everything, every decision you make in life through the lenses of God is with me, and there's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible for God to heal, to touch, to deliver, to free. So, in case you don't know who this is, she was hitchhiking down the road, and, and we picked we picked her up, and we found out she could sing. See you. 